Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're very welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thanks for your company again this afternoon. Delighted to have you with us. Don't forget the usual numbers if you want to message us about anything, if there's something on your mind, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We have lots of guests this afternoon, as usual, for you to meet. Lily who? Lily who is right. You've got to stay with us to find out who Lily is. Lisa Smith's in the house. Yes, Christmas party season is on the horizon. What's bling for Christmas 2023? We're going to find out in a wee while. And today being the 60th anniversary of the assassination of US President John F. Kennedy, we're talking to Dermot Manning, who has a particular interest in Kennedy and his life and times. And of course, who shot JFK? It's still a question that people ask. We'll be talking about it a little later on in the show. But first today, FOMO. FOMO? F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. It's a big issue for many people today. And it's certainly driven by social media. There's no doubt about that. But what underpins it? Has it always been around? We're going to talk about it for the next while with counselling psychologist Jade Lawless. Jade, welcome back to Late Lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. Not at all. You're welcome to the show. FOMO, has it always been part of uh, humankind? You know, it actually has. Um, in, in later years now, it's been linked to social media use. Um, but it's always been around. So ultimately what it is, is a feeling of being left out. It's basically a, a, a perception that we're missing out on really important social connections so it's been around forever more, people being left out of events or not included or the black sheep of the family even would have a bit of FOMO, things like that. Um, but it, the term FOMO itself was introduced in 2004. So it's relatively new in the public sphere, but we've always had it in our lives. I mentioned there social media and being driven yeah. by it. it. It's certainly a huge factor today, isn't it? You see that through your work, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. You know, as I said, it, it's always been there in some way, shape or form, but it's certainly been heightened by um, social media in, in, in recent years. And this is because like other people's lives are now so much more accessible. We can see online at any moment what people are doing um, in all cases. And social media sets a really high bar, which can drive FOMO. Um, because a lot of what we do in our thinking is from an upward comparison perspective and it says what I mean by that is we are constantly even unconsciously comparing ourselves to others where we set other people up higher in our self-esteem than we set ourselves up so we're looking at these images on social media and thinking wow like look at them heading off their Christmas parties and what they're doing and I'm not involved those lovely holidays and, and and I can't do that or I wasn't invited so it's all there for us to see and that makes us feel really bad so we set the bar higher for everybody else and perhaps we don't look around us at what we have or what we do our, ourselves. And it, you know this, the reality is nobody is living the perfect life. 
No. And that's what's so important if you feel yourself being triggered by FOMO, particularly as we're coming into this party season where people are talking about connection, families, socialising. It's so prevalent, at, uh, you know, coming up to Christmas. Um, but it is to remember that what you're seeing is just a snapshot. Um, you know, like We have a, an average about 6,000, 7,000 thoughts a day. And 10% of those, so upwards of 700 thoughts a day, are in the area of comparing ourselves to others. So if you imagine that message you're constantly giving yourself, and again, it's in that negative frame, we're always upwardly comparing. So at least 700 of your thoughts a day are, I'm not good enough, or look at what they're doing, it's better. Um, so it's really important to remember what you see is, is not the full picture. Are we all susceptible to it? I, I saw you writing recently about this and you talked about extroverts and introverts, you know, two types of personality and then uh, all in the middle as well. Or does it affect yeah. everybody? There's, 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 there's some categories of people that are, that are a little bit more at risk. So research is telling us that young people are a little bit more at risk um, to FOMO and that's mostly because young people would be considered to have that online presence more so than people in, in older generations. But ultimately, if you're a social media user, you're going to be susceptible to FOMO. Um, extroverts, yes, they are a little bit more in the at-risk category simply because extroverts tend to thrive out of that outward social um, connection position you know they they so social connection and connectivity in general is really important for everybody it's part of our survival history you know where we hunt in packs in the caveman days like mm. we are we're born not you know to be in groups essentially um and so extroverts thrive in that in that type of environment specifically and so they're a little bit more at risk of feeling like they're missing out and then interestingly another at risk group are those people with social anxiety so if you've already got a predisposition to feeling a little bit anxious um, in those social situations, you, te- you may tend to withdraw or avoid. And then you imagine the kind of thoughts that that type of person might be having that, you know, not only do I find this fearful, but I'm really missing out because I'm doing a lot less than what other people might be doing. So there's a few more at-risk categories mm. there for sure. Mm. So back to this anxiety and social anxiety. Uh, it, leading to that is the fact that you can't put the fold down. You're incessantly scrolling. You're endlessly yeah. looking at others. Yeah, yeah. So FOMO, interestingly, has two components to it. So the first part, which we spoke about already, which is that need for connection. Um, and that goes right back to our need to for love and belonging, you know, keeps us alive, keeps yes. us um, safe, all of that. The other side of FOMO is is compulsive, in a sense, because we seek out those behaviours that keep us connected to people. So if you're getting those needs met through social media, there's a real risk of compulsive scrolling, constant checking, um, and, and, you know, th- that's, that is, that's a risk-taking behaviour in itself. How do you control this or fix it? Yeah, so first and foremost, I guess it's remo- noticing, are you finding that you're 
feeling, you know, these uncomfortable, anxious, stressful feelings? And do you find yourself moving into that scrolling, that checking position? And and if you do then, so the first part is noticing. So we, we, we notice what we're doing and we try not to judge it because it all has a purpose. Um, so we try to look at this from a kind of a compassionate perspective. Um, and so if you notice that that's a pattern, try to look at practical habits, limiting time that you would spend on social media, maybe set a daily limit for yourself and try your best to stick to that. Um, we also would say, do a call, you know, clean up your feed. Um, if there are accounts that leave you feeling you know, a little bit negative after you view them or that exacerbate that feeling of loneliness, um, unfollow them. They're not good for you. So be be strict with yourself. For for to be kind, um, to yourself, be strict about that kind of thing because it is really important. And and then just to lean into something you already said, which is to remind yourself of the bigger picture. Um, not everything that you see is what it seems. So be compassionate to yourself and remind yourself that. Um, it's not all as glossy as it looks. True, and as well as that, life is a bigger picture than just yeah. the social media sphere, even though it is huge in life today and many people's life. But I I really do believe we've got to get back to the basics of, you know what I mean, interacting among ourselves, communicating directly and not reliant on this whole area. Because I do feel, even listening to you today, that social media has driven this immensely. You have coined a new phase. You don't want FOMO. You drop the F and put in a J. Yes, yeah. So this is a relatively new term um, and it seems to be kind of put out there as the antidote to FOMO and it stands for the joy of missing out. So I know some listeners will probably resonate with this. I do myself at times when I'm really busy as well. Um, I guess that's just giving yourself permission to slow down because in this really fast-paced world with so many demands and, you know, even these sort of inner needs being pulling you towards needing to connect with other people, Sometimes it's okay to just take a pause, stop, and enjoy connecting back with yourself, giving yourself permission to miss out, because we need to find our authentic selves in all of this um, without sounding too up in the sky there. What I really mean is just coming back to what's important to you. Mm. Um, it might not be the big Christmas party that comes with the hangover or, you know, the the late night chat with the friend in need. You know, while all of that might be very nourishing on some level, it's about taking a step back and thinking, what's really important to me here? Reconnecting with my own values. And Jomo lets us kind of move into the slow lane a little bit, be more intentional with our time. And having the wherewithal to say no, even though, as you say yourself, it may rail against what you've done up to this or what you feel, but saying no is okay. Absolutely. In fact, it's so important because one of the things we notice in um, working with FOMO is when you are in that compulsive stage where you're seeking out connection all the time, you tend to do that in a way that can compromise your own boundaries. Um, so bringing yourself back to a, a place of like neutrality, feeling a little bit less triggered, is to like, reinforce your boundaries. So that might look like saying no, taking time for yourself. Again, coming back to what's authentically important to you. Um, yeah, so compromising boundaries is actually one of the risks of FOMO and that, that leads to riskier behaviours because we, we do things that we wouldn't normally like to do in order to meet that connection. 
So the message today from Jade Lawless is drop the F. Let's do Jomo this festive season from now until New Year. Uh, and, you know, see uh, what that will mean to you and your life and uh, uh, how you get on. Listen, you're great. Always love talking to you. You're fantastic as usual. Thank you for taking time to join us on Late Lunch again today, Jade. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome. That's Jade Lawless there, counselling psychologist. A big issue for many people, a huge, huge issue and causing uh, tremendous problems. But I hope if you're in that category or feeling a bit like that, that you've picked something out of our conversation there the last while to help you along, especially over the coming weeks when there's a lot going on all round. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio and we have a lot going on between now and half three. Stay with us. It's Sport with Louise, but not as we know it. Not as we know it. Not as we know it. It's Sport with Louise, but not as we know it. It's Sport with Louise. It is indeed Sport with Louise for the I'm next nervous. while. No, don't be nervous. Why are you going to ask me? <laughs> well, Stephen Kenny managed Ireland. We believe for I know the that. final time last night against oh. New Zealand. It was hey. a one-all draw. Another indifferent performance. His contract is up. It looks like... He won't get a new one. It's probably certain that he won't get a, get a new one. And uh, I just want to know, who do you think should be the next Irish manager? Or do you had you any thoughts around Stephen Kenny and his, the job he did for the well, last? Why three is years? he? Why is it always the manager that gets it? Like, has he not got a, like a team around him, like coaches and stuff as well that could share the blame? Like, why is it? Like, if I I was just saying, if I was managing a shop and I had a team underneath me, you know, and they were lazy as bedamned. I'm not saying anything. Players were lazy, but like just saying they weren't doing their job, and then the supervisors weren't doing the job, and I I'm doing the best I can, but I get goodbye. That's life, Louise. Uh, that's life. The manager mm-hmm. carries the can at the end of the day and he has people around him. That team will probably change, will change uh, when a new manager comes in. Uh, Stephen Kenny's a very decent man. He yeah, he's really very kind is. eyes, hasn't he? Oh, he's a, a decent man and a very good manager. Wonderful success at club level here and at the underage level internationally. But I just think this job proved a little beyond him. And mm. how long uh, has he been in it? Three years. Okay, so I suppose yeah, that's enough time three to. Years, yeah. Now make he started in COVID, of... and it wasn't easy. But look, the last campaign in particular, I think, uh, shows. I saw the panel on RT last night saying that it was difficult to predict what team he'd put out for any game. You know what I mean? That it changed all the time, and that was a bit an issue they felt as well. But uh, new Irish manager, it's going to happen. Uh, almost one hundred percent certain. Who do you think? Well. The Roy na- Keane up there. The names being mentioned are Roy Keane, mm-hmm. Neil Lennon and Lee Carsley. They're the prominent names. Everybody knows Roy. He was there mm-hmm. before uh, in a capacity with the international team. Neil Lennon, who managed Celtic successfully. Lee Carsley, who played for Ireland and is the current England under-21 manager. Most successful man as well. Never managed a full international level, but played at the highest level as well. They're the names. What do you think, folks? Who should be the next Irish manager? We'd love to hear from you in late lunch land today. Who do you think should get the job? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's Who do you 086, think? Let me say that number again. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Who do I think? Mm. I think Lee Carsley would be a, a very good appointment for Ireland. Um, but if they want a marquee appointment who'll attract a major sponsor to the FA. They've no sponsor for the international team at the minute and people are shying away from them. Roy Keane would be the man. I'd say Roy Mm. would attract the sponsorship. He needs someone with him. He needs good cop, bad cop, I think, with Roy. I think he needs somebody good beside him, uh, to be honest with you. So Um, what about both of them then, no? 
I don't think that will happen. No, it'll be mm. one or the other. But the FAI board board meet next Tuesday, and I'm sure we'll have a decision from the, from uh, that point. Then you know. So um, and what will happen, Stephen Kenny? It will. Stephen will drift back into society like. All yeah. managers do. There's one thing sure when you're appointed as a football manager, Louise. You won't there be there is forever. one certain thing you're going to be sacked hmm. sooner or later. That's the job of football manager. The only thing is, if you're a manager in England in the Premier League, it's the dream ticket to millions. Because when they appoint you, they agree, say, a one, two, three year contract, two or three mainly. They sign up for that and they have to pay you off with compensation. So it's great to be sacked if you're a Premier League manager because you're made for life you have that much money you don't have to worry about money and you'll get another job sometime not so much an international level really not so much there but anyway we wait and see what happens any ideas Ireland manager who would you like to see 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text thank you indeed for your suggestions as to who should be the next Irish football manager Gus Poye says uh, a listener today didn't he expressed his interest when Greece were in Dublin he did indeed and he has a lot of, a lot of experience at the top level that's an interesting one. I never thought of him. Kieran McKenna, he's doing a great job at Ipswich Town. He really, really is. He's a good guy. He's young. I don't think he's ready for international management yet. I feel he'll ply his trade on the club scene uh, for a long time to come. But he's doing a great job, is right. They've just come up to the Championship and they're in there vying for promotion to the Premier League. Another one there from Ross. He says, I'd go for Lee Carsley, Jerry, or Chris Hewton. Both have experience at international level. Like to see one of those get the job. And there is somebody else there says, why not give Stephen more time, says a listener. I don't think he's going to get that, to be honest with you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us on the show. You heard Michael there on the news mentioning that today, 60 years ago in Dallas, Texas, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. His assassination continues to intrigue all these years later and I'm delighted to say I have someone joining me now who has a particular interest in his life and times. He's a lawyer but he's on the JFK trail today. Dermot Manning, welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you, Jerry. Lovely to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you too today. Why are there still, straight to business here, why are there still question marks around this incident 60 years ago, despite all the investigations that have taken place, Dermot? Well, I heard uh, somebody's mention on the radio this morning, like we all know the the how, you know, I, I think most people accept the assassination happened by the Harvey Oswald shooting from the school book depository into Dealey Plaza. It was a gunshot wound to the head. You know, all that is fine. Well, we don't even this 60 years on exactly. We do not know why. Lee Harvey Oswald never said why he did it. He never left any writings. He never left any clues. Uh, There was no indication as to why he wanted to kill the president that particular day. There didn't seem to be anything particularly in it for him. And I suppose when you have these unsolved mysteries, you know, I suppose they just endure. And then the other thing as well is the fact that it was the biggest event the world pretty much had ever seen at that time. It was a global event. I mean, I just even earlier, uh, before I came on talking to you, I mean, it's fascinating to look on Wikipedia, the list of dignitaries that attended that funeral. It's extraordinary. I mean, like mm. literally president, vice president, president, vice president, prime minister, president, like one after another. The entire British uh, establishment went to it. You know, Duke of Edinburgh, the prime minister, the leader of the opposition, the leader of all the op- opposition parties. Uh, we sent President de Valera from Ireland. You know, it was it's extraordinary to see all the people that went. And it was it's just an enormous event. 
Lee Harvey Oswald pulled the trigger that killed uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, would he have revealed why it's conjecture at this stage had Jack Ruby not killed him or murdered him, assassinated him two days later? Or is there a tie in there? Why did Ruby do it? Well, the Ruby was kind of like a gangland leader in, in the Dallas area. Um, you know, they say that he, you know, there's all the conspiracy theories that he killed Oswald because there was some greater grand conspiracy um, and therefore Ruby killed Oswald to keep him quiet. Um, but the reality is, I mean, they'd hand Oswald in, in, in custody for a couple of days. He hadn't said at that stage why he did it. Uh, there's nothing to say that he would have said. And then, and then Jack Ruby also was a great supporter of the president and he simply was so incensed at the shooting of his beloved leader, that he just, you know, he just took it out on 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 Lee Harvey Oswald when he got a chance when he was being moved from custody in 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 Dallas. But I mean, I do, I do, I'd wonder because I mean, if he if he was going to say why he did it, why didn't he say it in the three days previously when presumably the FBI would have had fairly um, persuasive methods at their mm. disposal to try and get get the answer out of them. The Warren Commission reported, as you know, their findings still stand. Yet, I was reading and uh, investigating this a little bit more myself. There are still some sensitive documents that remain classified and haven't been released by the US government. Could they be significant? They might be. They might be. I mean, it could also be that they just didn't uh, have them released them because they mentioned certain people in an unflattering light. And, you know, you don't want to, therefore, they, these people are families as well. You know, there's, I mean, again, conjecture. They could all possibly come up with ideas as to why uh, documents remain. Also, at the end of the day, there would be uh, details about the security arrangements for regarding presidents in those documents. And there are sort of things that you don't want to let the whole world know, even 60 years later. You don't want to let people know uh, the, 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 inner, the inner workings of how you protect the most important man in the country. He had been here, of course, quite recently in Ireland in the June of that year, 26th to the 29th, 63, a four-day visit, a momentous occasion, a US president, a descendant of people who left these shores, coming back to the homeland. It was unbelievable. I remember, I'll tell you this little story, I think I mentioned it on the show before. My late mother always told me she was watching television. It was black and white at that stage. And she was feeding my little sister, who was an infant. I was two at the time. She was bathing me. And the news came through. And she always told us that the tears flowed down her face when the news broke. It had that much of an impact on an ordinary woman. You know what I'm getting at, the the, the feeling in Ireland? Well, I can tell you another story. My own mother, uh, my, my brother, my eldest brother, is going to be 60 next month. Uh, his birthday is the 30th of December. So you can imagine my mother was eight months pregnant on the 22nd of November, uh, a month earlier. And that day still holds the record for the most number of miscarriages ever recorded in Irish hospitals on a single day. Really? Around the country. Around the country. Yeah. Still the highest. Still, and it's quite noticeably highest, the highest. And uh, my own mother, my own mother, like her, her own GP at the time, mum says, like, you know, he rang to make sure she was okay and that it is there because she was so close to giving birth and things like that. There's a lot of people went to, into labour early that day as well. And, uh, oh, yeah, had a huge trauma because, I mean, 
you know, JFK was a superstar who came to Ireland. And I mean, I also remember my mum said she, my dad worked in O'Connell Street in the Bank of Ireland there. So she was able to go in and go up in the upper, upper windows and see the motorcade. She was the first time you saw someone with a suntan, you know, like it was just, it was, he was just like movie star good looking. Yeah. And, um, and he just, people were just, it was so the fact that he died then so soon after being in Ireland, you know, June to November. And I mean, people were still kind of, there's a great feel good factor apparently in the country. I mean, the Beatles had only just played as well, like a couple of weeks earlier, yes. uh, just before the assassination. And it was a huge shock. Charles Mitchell famously announced it on RT uh, that evening when he died. And of course, our army who uh, were with him when he was in Ireland, uh, that famous story of uh, them being requested by Jacqueline Kennedy to do uh, the, uh, the official uh, duties at the graveside. Yeah, it's a wonderful story, that. I mean, JFK, uh, as part of his visit to Ireland, this is, must remember, this is before we built the Garden of Remembrance. That was only built in '66. So prior to that, when people came to Ireland, like visiting dignitaries, and they would come and they would go and lay a wreath at Arbor Hill in, um, you know, where the 1916 leaders are buried, mm, you know? Mm. And um, so, sorry, one second, please. So um, as a result, so they would go and lay a wreath there in, in Arbor Hill. So, and during the ceremony when he laid the wreath in Arbor Hill, the, uh, the 36 cadets of the, in the Irish Army, they did what's called the Queen Anne drill. And the Queen Anne drill is unusual. It's a funeral drill, and it's silent. It's one of these ones where you don't have a sergeant major barking out, oh, up, you, know, you know, like, and things like that. It's done, it's done in, in, in silence. And JFK was very uh, taken with it. And when he went back to uh, America after the visit, he requested the army to actually film the drill for him so he could have a copy of it. So by this stage, the 36th cadets had all graduated, but the 37th cadets had all just started. So very early on in their, in their cadetship, they assembled again and did the drill uh, for, for the cameras, for the film. So, and JFK used to watch this party over and over in Washington, and Jacqueline Kennedy was aware of this. So when, sadly, he, her, her husband died, she made a request to the Irish Army to actually send uh, a group of cadets over to do the, the drill, this Queen Anne drill, at the graveside. And apparently it came up with a bit of composition because, you know, it's unusual to have a foreign army to actually participate yeah. in the funeral. I mean, could you imagine, like, having a, a whole people from West Point, you know, doing a drill in Glasnevin yes. at the funeral of Eamon de Valera? But apparently Jackie was insistent so the problem was, as I said, it was uh, JFK was killed on a Friday. And this request came through on the Saturday afternoon, Irish time. And of course, Saturday being Saturday, all the cadets were, were off for the day. And they were all in Mason, Newbridge, and Kildare Town having their fun. And so there's somebody actually in the barracks, in the car, had to ring around the places they reckoned the, the cadets were. So they rang things like this, the Royal Cinema, and they rang places like a ballroom and stuff. And the word went out, how do we know who they are? It says, well, they're the only ones with crew cuts, because at the time the Beatles were very popular, so a lot of the young men had long hair. So basically people, anyone with short hair got a tap on their shoulder saying, it's in, are you a cadet in the car? Get back. And there were 39 in the class, but only, but only 26 were going to get to go to America. And it was literally the first 26 that turned up that afternoon that got the trip to the States. Half of them didn't have passports, so they all had to get visas and, and travel documents sorted out. And it was the 23rd of November. They were all broke. They were all because they were paid at the end of the month. 
So apparently the shop guy who ran the shop in the car had to sub them all £25 in order to spend spending money. That's an extraordinary story. And even more amazing, uh, a guy, one of the people that did go was a guy called Richard Heaslip and his son is Jamie Heaslip, the rugby, rugby player. So, um, but they they got to go, and and again they spoke saying that they were just told they'd be part of the funeral. They weren't weren't told where exactly they'd be, and most of just assumed they might be at the gate of the cemetery as the coffin went by, or there might be somewhere. But no, when they arrived on the day, they were brought up to the literally the graveside and said, "That's where you're going to be, right in the centre of it." And if you look at any archive footage of the funeral and the particularly the internment of JFK. There's our soldiers in their green uniforms right there in the centre of the action. It's an extraordinary thing. And young lads, only 18, mm. 19 years of age, most of them had never left Ireland before, first time travelling, and here they were participating in probably the most high-profile funeral that had ever been at that stage in, in the world. Mm. Extraordinary story. Incredible, incredible story. And in my notes, uh, as I was uh, just jotting some things down to, to chat to you about, I, I, I've written here... What if he'd lived? Yeah, um, I think he would have won re-election. I think that is probably true. Um, he had signed the Civil Rights Act in '63, which you know they reckoned you know was very no sorry, you know, sorry LBJ signed the Civil Rights Act sorry, but he had signed certain voter you know um, and civil rights things which was causing difficulty in the southern states. But I still think he was, you know, there was a the, the whole thing of getting over the the Cuban Missile Crisis and whatever. I still think it's an, it's hard to to shift an incumbent president. So I still think he would have won. I think he would have come up against resistance in the southern states over his civil rights reforms, which would have made uh, another Democrat winning again in '68. Uh, very very unlikely. Um, I think that it's it is interesting. I mean, maybe you know, from a technological and economic point of view, it's very hard to know. I mean, his president, not something about JFK, his presidency wasn't that successful in the early years, in particular, the Bay of Pigs, for example, was a complete disaster. But he also had the vision for things like the space program, you know, which was enormously uh, successfully founded the Peace Corps, you know. So he had some very visionary ideas. But I mean, it's very hard to know. I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a presidency struck down as it were three years in, and it's just simply it it, it cannot be. Um, you just cannot say exactly how it would have gone. But I do think I do think he would have won re-election. I think I, I, mm. I think I'd be fairly certain he would have done that. And then uh, what that would have meant to Ireland beyond that and the succession in the presidency. When you mentioned the race thing there, I just wonder, I think about that when you say it, was there anything underpinning his assassination from that point of view? But that's for another day. Uh, That was 63. You look at the 60s, Martin Luther King was assassinated 68. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy, his brother, who would have run for the presidency as well, assassinated in 68. It was a, a shocking decade for for that type of thing, wasn't it? Well, they say at the end, at the end, they call the assassination of, of Kennedy, J, JK, at the end of Camelot, this thousand magical thousand days. And I do think that the, the assassinations ultimately, and I've also of Malcolm X as well. Mm. I mean, just it was the end of an innocence in America, sort of a post-war baby boomer type thing. Uh, and I think, it brought, and of course, it ushered in Richard Nixon, you know, who did win in '68, and 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 he he won the presidency after the sort of the chaos of the rioting, particularly in Chicago and and various riots, and certainly the riots after uh, 
after uh, Martin Luther King died as well. There was a sort of a reaction against that. And people wanted sort of like strong law and order type president. But of course, Nixon came in and, you know, so we, we all know what happened to him. Yeah. So, I mean, America, it, it convulsed America, really. Yes. Um, and certainly, and I think until probably the election of Carter, you know, things didn't really settle down. Mm, <laughs> so of then course. And Reagan after that. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, it, the, the impact of JFK being assassinated had enormous impact, it not had. just in American politics, mm. but around the world as well. Certainly had. You're fantastic. And I know you have a deep interest in the man and his life and times and beyond. Uh, it's great to have you with us on this day, the 22nd of November, the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Dermot, thank you so much for joining me. Lovely talking to you, Jerry. Thank you very much. You too. Day. Take care now. That's Dermot Manning there about JFK. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show, Lily Who? Who is Lily? You have to stay with us to find out. And Lisa Smith will be with us shortly. She's the MS fashion consultant. Christmas party season is anon. Pauline called in just a moment ago to say she remembers well where she was when JFK was killed. She was on the metro in Paris and an American man shouted out, JF Kennedy has been shot. You see the way people remember where they were on that day. Thanks for getting in touch, Pauline. Oh, it's Christmas. It's nearly Christmas. It is indeed when Lisa Smith arrived. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's from M&S and she's looking F-A-B. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, Jerry. Good to be here with yourself and Louise. Uh, yes, and Louise accompanies us in studio two today. Uh, Louise, looking very common compared. Uh, 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 come, come, wow. Will you, will you, will you, will you come out of that? Don't be, don't be, don't be running yourself you down. Are you gorgeous. look great. But didn't I say to you? Yes, uh, we had a little chat before she came. Will she wear a little bling coming in? I did. And you I did. are. You <laughs> are amazing. Thank you. I'm excited for Christmas. So Christmas is all about bling. And you are portraying that for the last number of weeks on your Instagram account. Every time you're on me feed there and when you come up, the sparkle, the glitter. Is, is it is it more than ever this year? More think? than ever, definitely. Especially with colours. I'm noticing there's purple glitter, there's pink glitter in suits. It's everywhere. Glitter's everywhere. But it's great. Like It's good to see it. Mm. And it looks fantastic when you're dressing it, even in the shop window. It just c- catches the eye. Like, I'm catching your eye here. I know I am, Jerry. Yeah, but you ha- isn't it very tasty, Louise, yeah. the way Elisa is dressed today? It's because aired. just explain what you have. Your your top is, is bling. So the top is bling, but it's plain. So it's it's a nice cream, but it's not too bling. Yeah. And then I went, because I have a bit of velvet, so I didn't go too bling. So I'm wearing a, the velvet blazer and uh, my leggings. But they're leather leggings. Yes. And a nice pair of boots. You made a late change, I believe, I in made the wardrobe. Is that right? A little birdie told me you made a late change. Is that right? I did. I put the bling on with the bling and I got it wrong. Right. I looked in the mirror and I said, that doesn't look good. 
So we changed. So even I can get it wrong. So what do you mean bling with bling? What did you change? So I had the glitter boots on with the glitter top. Right. And it was just too much going on because it wasn't the same colour. Okay. So we swapped. Right. <laughs> so I'm wearing the velvet boots to match the velvet jacket. Yes. And it really does flow beautifully, may I say. Thank Louise, you. what about glitter and bling? I love bling it. And, and I love the colour of the, the velvet jacket. It's beautiful green. Mm. It's a real Christmassy, almost Christmassy tree kind of green, isn't it? It's it's lovely. I have the trousers to go as well. So you probably saw that on the feed. But yeah. the feed is a little bit quiet this week. I was off on a week's holidays, but I'm delighted to be up here. I was okay. so busy all last week with M&S. A fantastic time. I was at the Gloss Awards and I had an amazing time. The style, the fashion. Mm. Like we were told to dress, um, not like as if office to work, maybe to going out. And I knew I said, no way, like, is everyone going to arrive in that? like in that kind of dress code so I was right there was bling there was all kind of mad colours crazy colours but they were fantastic mm. everybody looked fabulous and just seeing the catwalk and what's ahead of us for Christmas like which I'll share with you now if you like like what what colours is in You were just saying Louise about the uh, variation and the vibrancy of colours before we came down today we were chatting upstairs Yes yeah, they're really beautiful reds aren't they and pinks and it's not just the normal yeah. blacks greens greys kind of Christmassy it's really yeah, full it's, on it's this it's all year. going on like so what's happening come on so, fill us in so what is Christmas 2023 all about any colour honestly like you know there's greens purples like you've probably seen I had a gorgeous little purple skirt but it was a real vibrant purple like all colours are in green emerald green um, your blacks are still in. Your blacks is in with a lot of glitz again this year. But I don't think people are playing it safe anymore. They're definitely not. Mm. They're going for colour and they're happy to wear the colour. So it's all in all the shop windows and nobody's any different. Everybody has lots of colour going on. I noticed the pinks, wasn't I saying to you? The pinks, the, the purples. purples, all that thing. I saw you uh, in M&S going through a whole rack of that. That's right. That, that shade, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I was I was delighted sharing the colour because it's so lovely mm. and it looks great on. And there's so many different colours that suit everybody. And it's like great that they can say, OK, purple's my colour, purple's in this year. Because normally at Christmas, you will have that little bit of red, but it won't be like with your red glitz. It'll just be plain red. So it's all ruby red with glitter. So much. It's it's brilliant. Like I saw you wearing a faux leather uh, biker jacket recently with a black New York top with it, silver skirt, uh, well above the knee. Can I say? <laughs> uh, is is that a, an outfit that goes for Christmas party season as well? Oh yeah, yes, definitely. M and S Ireland actually featured me on their profile page, which I I I didn't know until the next morning, and they said that the perfect Christmas day outfit, and I said, oh. So I was just basically dressing the skirt down that you could wear it like if you were going to work and a lot of people now at work are so busy after drinks you could just maybe throw on a pair of boots. Mm. So I styled that outfit for that reason just to show people mm. and I got so much feedback on it that was it was a stunning was outfit. outfit. So it was actually like a basic jumper Louise but it had a little bit of glitter going on. So it was more of a casual jumper with a silver skirt and your boots. I had like the chunky boots during the day and then I put on the sock boot for nighttime with the little heel. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah and that sounds very comfortable. Gorgeous. Well. So you're kind of showing people how they have a casual look, but yet they can dress it up in the evening. Mm. And if you wanted to actually take the jumper off and you had a little top underneath, just keep your leather jacket on. What about boots? Ankle boots, knee boots? Do you know what, what I said? If you have time, I was saying, will we do a little of the staples just from 
up down for people. Yes. So I was thinking like what people would love and what they what they need in their wardrobe. So I was saying like starting off for me and it's my favourite and I'm wearing it now is the blazer. So if everyone has a blazer in their wardrobe, both man and woman, they're sorted. And then underneath the blazer, a T-shirt. So if you have a T-shirt in your wardrobe, one casual and then maybe a glitter one for going out at night, that'll dress up your blazer also, both for men and women. Then a good shirt and a good blouse. So if you've got two shirts, one for maybe casual and then one for going out, perfect, then throwing the blazer on again. And then I was thinking, well, we move down to the trousers. So for me, a good pair of jeans. And Louise, you know as well, you love your jeans. Mm -hmm. And this year, there is so many styles to choose from for everyone. So if you're slim leg, your straight leg, your flares, they're all in. So there's no excuse for nobody to there's not have the a pair of There's the queen of flares sitting yeah. beside you today. The queen of flares. And I noticed high-waisted are, are back High-waisted well. and... and Jumpers even with the high-waisted jeans tucked in. Yeah, and when I was here with you probably last year, I think we were saying our flare is coming back and I said they wear mm -hmm. like slowly but surely. They are everywhere now. Flares are everywhere in jeans. Everybody's coming in. Slightly for flared or the big flares? Big flares. Oh yeah. Big flares. Oh, All yeah. back in. So you need Charlie's to Charlie's Angel style. Yeah. <sighs> I lived through that era <laughs> and I never want to see it again. Oh. That's just my preference. Oh, no, listen to anybody... Whatever you like. I, I'm not mad about them. I have to say, that's my, who am I? No, I'm a nobody. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. I mean that. But Louise no. has a fantastic love. And I said it to Louise. She sort of started it in, in here when she came in. And then I started to notice lots of people wearing them as well, which yeah. you see too. So people love them. Good luck to you. They're, they're so, but it depends on how you style yes. it as well. And I yes. say to people like, you know, you've got your own style and your own way of styling things. Don't be afraid to do it. Like yeah. if you have a heel, you're shorter, put on a nice heel with them. Mm. Nice stiletto boot and they're lovely. But mm. you can get ones that are not as flared. Yeah. Like you don't have to just go for the big, big flare. You yeah. can or the wide leg. Or the wide leg. Yeah. Like we've lovely straight legs as well. Mm. And then, same at men, men's jeans. Like, I'm sure you would know what style suits you and you would pick your pair of jeans. So yeah. if you had two pairs, do you go skinny for nighttime? Look. Perfect. They would do day and night for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> love the socks, Jerry. Love the socks. You'll have to get your sparkly I, so I socks. He has, he has lovely diamond I socks with all <laughs> colours. And they actually look like all the colours for Christmas. There's purple, yellow. I love colour. <laughs> you know me. I love colour. I really do. I think as a nation, especially men, years, you know, for years we've been in the blacks and greys and browns and dulls as well. I just am attracted to colour. It's just something I am. But I love me socks. I haven't got sparkly socks. I have no sparkly socks. Now, there's an interesting one for you. But look at with jeans right there for men as well. I have a brand. I think it's Six Cents that I love because they fit me very well okay. and I like to stick with them and you can get them in a range of, of legs as yeah. well but they fit me well I like the fit in them yeah. I don't like loose jeans No but they're lovely on you yeah. and you see the ones you're wearing now so they would be more of a straight leg for me that you're wearing Yeah. but they're not they're not too straight they're just a nice fit mm. I think you could get you, you could actually not think you could get away daytime and nighttime with them so you have a casual jumper on you now today And a so, velvet blazer <laughs> well, no, men's velvet blazers are actually all in as well. Are they? Yeah. There you go. What do you call your man in the movies that used to wear them? Oh, I can't think of the movie in a moment. I know the guy. But, uh, but you know, I want to ask you that. Uh, jeans for men of all ages. All ages. Am I getting on too much to be wearing Not jeans? at all. Like, no. Men nowadays are wearing their denims with their blazers going out, a nice shirt underneath, and they're actually wearing their trainers. Like... 
I actually showed up at my uncle's house and I was a bit like, whoa, taken back. He got very trendy overnight. He had the chunky, <laughs> the chunky trainer with the, the check blazer and his denims and it looks so good on like. So, so yeah, jeans, there's so many that they can choose from. So I think if you have a good pair of jeans in your wardrobe and also a good pair of trousers, men and women. So a lot of our customers coming in would say what I love about the shops nowadays is you've got so many different, like from regular to short, so all different sizes yes. because a lot of the people coming into me would say they hate having to leave their jeans in after paying 30 euros to get them turned up. Mm. Now, I want to take a little break in a second. Don't go anywhere, Louise, for a second I read this because I want you to hear this. A listener, thank you for your messages. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. <laughs> a listener says, I love Louise's idea of fashion and clothes because they've been listening <laughs> to you over the years. No, genuinely, uh, but we're going to come back to the second part of this question to Lisa. But yeah. what about when you are overweight? Can we hold that one for a moment and yeah. come back? We're going to take a short break on late lunch. Lisa Smith is staying with us. She is MS fashion consultant in Drahara. We love her on late lunch. She's sorting us all out for the Christmas party season. Yes, Lisa Smith from MS fashion consultant there in Drahara. She's always there. She'll help you. Whatever you want is with us. And our Louise is in studio with me too this afternoon. Um, let me just come back to that question from that person there uh, who loves Louise and our fashion sense what happens if you're carrying a little extra weight you know going into the party season what what do you say to people that's okay like you know everybody is whatever shapes and sizes that they are and that's good so we've got fashion out there for everyone and a lot of stores nowadays you'll find have plus size different types of jeans and styles so we'd also we'd look at their body shape if I was doing a style and fit and we'd bring in obviously I know three styles of jeans that would suit them probably the straight maybe actually skinny is lovely and we'll try them on and if they're in between sizes what way I work the denims with them is we go for a long line top or cardigan so that they're not conscious so they'll say normally oh I feel it around the tummy area so we'll say well your legs are perfect so we'll go and see how you feel with this this cardigan or top and nowadays there's loads of glitter tops out there that are long line and that's it Happy. There's no issue. That's the message today. You can be dressed no matter what your shape or size. And that's the thing we were talking about earlier, weren't we, Louise? It all comes down really to, you know, what suits your figure. You dress the person. You dress the person. And And being comfortable, like you said. Yeah. Like a lot of people come into me and say in MS, and this is not even a big headed way, but they say, God, you could put a black bag on her. You couldn't. (laughs) Like, you know that saying, but... On a Wednesday, like I shower every morning, but on a Wednesday, I make an effort to do a body polish. So I'm in the bath. That's my time. And on Thursday, I do my tan Thursday. So you think I stepped out of Lanzarote. (laughs) So that's before I put my outfits on. And that gives me confidence because I feel better in myself. So it's all about being confident in your body as well. So I say to these ladies like we have, oh, I couldn't wear that blazer, but I have a long line blazer. Like you can buy blazers now that are longer on the sleeve and a more of a relaxed fit blazer. So they feel they're not too tight on the shoulders and their jeans look great on and they're happy. Mm. The um, <clears throat> the whole area of footwear, let's we were coming down from top to, top bottom, to bottom. So we just didn't get to the feet yet. What about footwear, boots, that type of thing? Talk to me about that. So I'll give you three pairs. So that's for men and women. So if everybody, man and woman, has a good pair of 
boots in their wardrobe. It can be whatever style that you like to suit you. But I would say, like, for a woman, if you're going for a stiletto boot and you can walk in a stiletto boot, go with that one, or a block heel boot. But a big tip I have is get the sock boot. And the sock boot is the one, I think I say it to you all the time, it means that you can wear it nighttime with a skirt and daytime your trousers fall lovely over it. And it doesn't look, I think if you just have the ordinary boot, it can look a bit out of place when you're wearing a skirt. Mm. Then with the men, just go for your average colour boot, beige, navy. You'll get so much mileage out of that. So they're better off to go with that. And then good pair of shoes, both for men and women. So you could go with your heels for women for nighttime. And then the boat shoe is very big in for... So the boat shoe is... Do you know the one that has like the little tassel on it for ladies? Louise, yeah. do you know that one? So yeah. the boat shoe's back in this year. That's lovely with your suit like trousers. A loafer. A loafer, yeah. Yeah. And then for men, loafers are actually back in for mm. men. Or if you just prefer your lace-up shoes, it's always good to have a good pair of shoes in your wardrobe. And colour-wise, I always say stick neutral that it'll go with everything. So if you've got your black with a little bit of whatever going through it, like or your beige, be perfect. Or brown for men. Mm. And mm. then, as I said with my uncle, go for a nice pair of chunky trainers, men and women. So a lot of ladies nowadays are wearing the relaxed blazer with their mum jeans and their chunky trainers. And it looks... It looks sensational. Can I just say, though, for men, if they're wearing the loafers, please don't wear white socks. No, <laughs> Jerry's would go lovely there now. <laughs> You're no John Travolta. <laughs> or Olivia, keep them on. <laughs> As we used to call her. <laughs> Brilliant. But... Uh, you mentioned wellies, didn't you? Wellies. Well, with, just, the, with all the rain we've been having. Yeah, you know the way. Wasn't there a phase of wellies, really sparkly wellingtons? There is. That? And they're they're actually not known as the wellie. They're a boot and we have them in sale. Um, they are in like a khaki green and black. I've no bling in these ones now, but people are wearing them every day. Like, you know, because we are going to be hitting like snow, rain season. Just make sure there's a good grip on them in case it's icy out there. Mm. Yeah. But no. What about dress lengths at Christmas time? You know, full length, midi, mini, whatever. Whatever. Honestly, Jerry, that's the truth. We have something for everyone. Like you go, you like a nice mini skirt, go with the mini mini dress. If you want your long line dress that just comes below the knee, go with that. If you go long, there's actually gorgeous dresses now and they have a nice slit up the side. So if you feel, oh, that's too long. I think this, the split just kind of takes away from the length. So yeah, everything and colour, everything goes. Like, and when you, you know, it's we were just talking about the bling and everything is really bling bling this Christmas. So is there less of a need then to pair up with a lot of accessories? Definitely. You have yeah. You have to, when you've got so much, much going bling. on, you know, it's a good way of actually just being dressed. Mm. It's, it's, if you're saying to yourself, I just want to make this easy, go for the bling dress, wear the bling dress. All you'll need is a nice dainty shoe and you're good to go. Mm. You know, like. Even if the bling dress or top has kind of quite a low neck. I still just, wouldn't, yeah. Still wouldn't? No, okay. I, I wouldn't now. Not if I had all or glitter dress. very plain I'd, maybe or something. No, I'd yeah. probably just go with a nice soft earring, like maybe a little pearl or something. Okay. Even oh, something similar. Know. See with the... So. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you're wearing a beautiful pair of earrings. Oh, and they Emerald. Match. Look at that. Emerald. They match. They match the jacket. Yeah. The, yeah. Jacket. the blazer, yeah. God, you have it to <laughs> the detail. You have it to There's no. That's what Mam said. Why are you coming on the radio all dolled up like that? There's no point in coming on the radio and not showing Jerry and Louise how to do it. Isn't that right? Even though Thank I don't you. mean you don't know how Thank to do you. it. Thank you. No, but 
we yeah. appreciate that. We appreciate <laughs> that. We do indeed. I know you could be in here in a, a pair of boxes and no one would know, but they would, you know, and the way yeah. you feel about it. Exactly. As well. And it's lovely that you've uh, come with this beautiful <laughs> outfit today. What about uh, jumpsuits? I noticed M&S have a hell of a range and what a range of colours in them as well. What about jumpsuits? Jumpsuits are in, yeah, back in this year. I, I am a fan of a jumpsuit. Um, just like I find... The velvet ones can be, if you're going on a Christmas night out, you can be very warm. So that's the thing you have to think about in a jumpsuit. Like if you're a warm creature, I'd probably think twice about wearing your jumpsuit on a night out. And that's honesty. Jumpsuits, Louise. I love jumpsuits. Yeah. 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 I have a See, whole Louise, Louise is a cold creature. She'll tell you herself. Yeah. She'll admit that to you. Uh, so therefore... It's the one thing with jumpsuits, I find it very hard to match with a jacket. Like if you're wearing a short jacket, it's fine. But if it's really cold, that's not going to keep you warm. I would go for my, my long jacket. Like I have a lovely... Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So below the knee jacket. Right. But I like, let's say the jumpsuit was different colours. Mm-hmm. Probably just stick with it, a long line black jacket. Okay. Mm. That's good to know. Be perfect underneath. And, you know, we talk all about Christmas here and and all these beautiful colours and outfits and everything and your advice is wonderful. By extension, can you wear them a little bit later on in the year or is it just for Christmas we're talking today, what we've been covering here? Is it focused on Christmas? Your blazers and everything you can wear all year round. All year round. All year round. Yeah, so it's an investment. It's an investment piece. But the glitter would be for just season. Okay. That's that's very important to know. Yeah, we're at the St. Patrick's yeah. Day parade. <laughs> I wish it could be Christmas every day. Will I start singing it now? No, when people you say could that? say, Lisa, there they could text her, Lisa's so wrong. I wear my glitter all year round, yeah. and that's okay. Good luck to you. Well, you're yeah. a party girl, oh boy. Good luck to you. You know what I mean? That's if you want to do that. That's that's, that's fine. fine. No yeah. problem at all. Anyway, MNS have all you're looking for this party season everything we have everything you need so if you want bling call down to us if you want colour call down to us or if you just want a little bit of style advice I am there every Friday and Saturday to help out (laughs) and I had an amazing time I told you that at the Glossies but you know what was so empowering Jerry? that's what I said like that's why call down to me it's nice women empowering women that's what we saw it was just fantastic Mm. you know like even if you see somebody just to give them that little compliment to tell them how well they look Cost nothing, and it's a just so. Word nice. means everything, it and does. may I say, you mean everything to us. Thank you Thank for joining you so us on the much, show today. Guys. It's been fantastic, Thank Lisa you. Smith. Good luck to you. Happy, <laughs> happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Isn't Lisa Smith just lovely and terrific at what she does too? It was made for her and her for it. The M&S fashion consultant, uh, our Kenneth Sullivan, was in touch. Thank you, Ken. Talking to Dermot Manning earlier on the show, wasn't he brilliant about JFK? And Ken, I did ask him uh, the question if JFK had lived. Ken's been on to say there's a great book called Promises to Keep written by George Berno which explores that very question if JFK hadn't died could be out of print but well worth looking up thanks indeed for that Ken now it's time for this on Late Lunch Five Four Three Two One Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear And today it's... The number three from this week in 1993. First recorded by Kamal for a country and western album in 1982. Recorded by the likes of Sheena Easton, Roger Whittaker, Perry Como, Gladys Knight. But the biggest hit was by Bette Midler. 1989, number one in the USA, two Grammy Awards and a sound the uh, from the soundtrack to the movie Beaches. Yes, we're talking about Wind Beneath My Wings. Today's version was recorded by Steve Houghton from London's Burning. Remember him? He covered it in 97 and it went to number three. Here it is. 
must have been colder in my shadow to never have sunlight on your The number three from this week in 1993, Stephen Houghton, Wind Beneath My Wings, on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Final break of the day on the way, and after the break, a new series for you, Let's Talk Business. Yes, we're back to featuring local businesses in the Mill Enterprise Hub over the coming weeks and months. And today we begin, it's timely, with Lily Who. Lily Who, stay with us, you'll find out next. A brand new series on Late Lunch beginning today called Let's Talk Business. And I'm at the mill. What a hub it is in Drogheda for so many businesses. And uh, we'll be talking to a number of people who are operating out of here over the coming weeks and months. But we begin today with a company called Lily Who. Lily Who, you ask? Well, it's all about diamonds and jewellery and stylish it is indeed and I'm delighted to be joined on the show today by the main man John Cooney who's the MD and Danielle Souza who is the operations manager thank you both for joining me on the show John I'll begin with yourself and ask you the question Lily who what's the story I love the name yeah thanks very much Jerry um yeah Lily who is um, a jewellery brand uh, four years old we create all our own pieces design all our own jewellery assemble our own jewellery in, in lots of cases. 90% of our customers would be Irish-based. We sell all over the world, specialising in our own designed jewellery. We're not an off-the-shelf jewellery brand, so we don't buy jewellery off-the-shelf, put our, our brand name on it. Everything is original, from the designs to the finish to the plating to the dimensions. Some pieces might look like they're, they might look similar to other brands, but everything is totally original. What's your background? How did you come to this? I'm previously from the retail jewellery business. I started out as a retail jeweller. I was then was a wholesale jeweller. Supplied most of the medium to high-end jewellery shops throughout Ireland and UK. Four years ago, we invented our own brand. We were selling other people's brands. We were um, a distributor for many of the big European fashion brands. And we used our experience of dealing with those fashion brands to create our own jewellery brand. Who came up with the name? What's the story in the name? We had a supplier called Daisy Wu who, who made jewellery for us in the past and we, we always thought that we would be a great a great brand name and Lily Hu developed from Daisy Wu. Lots of people understand going into jewellery shops. You've worked in the business yourself and going in and seeing everything on display there online. You know, it, it, it's a different world altogether. But obviously people have taken to this. Yeah, I think people are, are braver, especially when they become familiar with a brand. They know that they know the quality. They We have a lot of repeat customers. We have about 50 to 60% of our customers are coming back and ordering again. And I suppose as they become more familiar with the brand, they're more confident to come back. The, the only thing that's a little bit tricky are rings because they're they're size-based bracelets necklaces and so on one, one size fits all earrings obviously fit fit everybody so the only thing that can be a little bit tricky at times for people to buy online would be rings because they need to know their finger size mm. let me talk to uh, your operations manager danielle souza about diamonds because diamonds are a girl's best friend aren't they they definitely are especially um when you can like buy the diamond of your dreams like and um for a price that's more affordable we do work with uh, we started working with um, engagement rings and love diamond jewelry because we 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 also sell diamond earrings and necklace, not only uh, engagement rings. 
and we do wedding bands as well. We are online brands, but we do take appointments and people can come in and you can, we can help them understand better uh, what they're looking for. Some people know exactly what they want. We are happy to help like, and help them understand what they want. We make it as customizable as possible for customers. We have ready-made rings, but we also have the mount separately and the diamond separately. So we can show them this is the shape of the diamonds and uh, what shape do you prefer? What bond do you prefer? What size of the bond? Do you want a thinner bond or do you want a thicker bond? And we can customize to the customer's preference. And it's always lovely looking at them choose uh, the diamonds and make it like and then put it together mm. we do a lot of bespoke rings as well so customers can come in and tell us exactly what they want now you mentioned something there that i want to talk about for a moment lab diamonds diamonds are normally extracted from the ground so lab diamonds and mine diamonds are diamonds so they're exactly the same physically and chemical uh, but lab diamonds are created in a lab when you're looking at a diamond uh, a lab diamond and a mine diamond, you can, won't be able to tell the difference. Mm. A gemologist would be able to tell the difference, but uh, to the naked eye, they're exactly the same. There's no difference, actually. The, the, there are diamonds. The difference is the origin. So lab diamonds have been created in a lab, whereas a, a natural mined diamond has come from the ground. So a lot of, a lot of younger people like the fact that a, a lab diamond is ethically sourced, Nobody has been hurt in the making of the ring and it's more environmentally friendly. We're, we're not going too much with the environmentally friendly side of it because obviously the factories creating lab diamonds create some, some difficulties. But we feel that anything is better for the earth than mining because mining has traditionally been damaging to, to the earth. So I suppose we like both mine diamonds and lab diamonds. We've no preference really. But what lab diamonds have done is allowed people get bigger diamonds get more higher quality higher level and stuff that they could never maybe afford in the past yeah. i mean a you're talking about five to ten times um the price for a mined diamond versus a lab diamond do you do mine diamonds yeah we do both and um, we give people a choice we're generally specializing in lab uh, but if somebody wants a price for a mined diamond we give them a price for the same thing compare like for like they're beautiful aren't they Danielle when you when when you look at them there you see it with people coming to your customers coming in to try them on have a fitting or whatever they like them they love them and what we are seeing as well is this trend of people coming in with uh, like a mine diamonds and wanted to upgrade to lab diamonds that's because they couldn't afford a big diamond yeah. if it's a lab diamond yeah. And I want big. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, to say again, you are online, but people can call to you here at the mill and actually have fittings and look at the uh, products in, in person as well. So you have the, the best of, of both worlds. How many people are involved, John? We have um, three full-time staff and we've got a couple of part-timers. I suppose our business would be very focused on the Christmas period. In November and December, we would have a couple of extra staff at least. And then we have a couple of contractors outside that would manage our marketing and um, we've a couple of goldsmiths that do they're not full-time employees but they're virtually full-time they're contracted to us I suppose an important point about the lab diamonds as well is all our lab diamonds are certified just like a mined diamond would be so you have everybody knows about the four C's of a diamond like the colour and the cut and carrot weight clarity that's all still valid on a lab diamond you still get a or GIA cert, um, an international recognised cert. So it's basically it's it's exactly the same thing, except it hasn't come from the mm. from the ground. Mm. Earrings, chains. Yeah, we do we do um, diamond um, and lab diamond pendants um, and earrings and um, 
basically somebody can contact us and we can uh, we can design anything bespoke. We have a lot of stock ready made, as you as you can see here, um, ready to go, ready to sell. Uh, you might need to be sized up or down for somebody. Um, and then we have a lot of um, mounts, which would be rings without the stones. Mm. And we'd have the stones separately, as you can see here, in, in certs. And somebody could come in and say, look, I want a... Um, or they can design something bespoke and say, I want a, an oval stone. I want tapered baguettes on the side. I want something like that. We will then um, take their instructions. We'll do a CAD drawing. Um, it takes us a couple of days. And show them the CAD drawing, price it all up. We can show them the ingredients of the ring, I suppose, before we produce the ring. So they can see that the mount part, the gold part, yeah. or platinum. Um, they can see the stone separately, and we can put everything together. That process takes two or three weeks we do a lot actually without even meetings a lot of people are doing it over whatsapp over email um over uh, dms you'd be amazed how people can go through the whole process on instagram that's hap happening a lot isn't it yeah it's the way of the world today that, that's the way people are very comfortable with it, and that really has changed immensely back to uh danielle for a moment your website people will want to check you out how do we find out more about lily who so Lilyhu, website is uh, lilyhu.com, but you can also find us on uh, our Instagram, which is at lilyhuofficial. Despite all the online stuff we've been talking about, pop-up shops, you have one? We do. We, we had one last year in Swords, which did really well. People recognized the brand and came up to us. Uh, so this year we're going to do the same. We're going to do uh, another pop-up shop in Swords, which we are expecting to be another success. So we're just... Look out for them in the pavilions, is it? In the pavilions, yeah. yeah. Lily who? Now you know who Lily is, yes. On Late Lunch Talk, Let's Talk Business this afternoon, kicking off a new series. Big thank you to you both for joining me today. Thank to John right. Cooney, the MD, and uh, the Operations Manager, Danielle Souza. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, you know who Lily is now, as I said there. You do indeed. And a uh, small business uh, making their way based at the Mill Enterprise Centre in Drogheda and doing a great job and onto on something really special and different as well. We wish them well uh, with the Christmas season on the way, an important time of the year for them. That's it on Late Lunch for another day. Thank you so much for your company this afternoon. Thanks to all our guests. And uh, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow with uh, Thursday's Late Lunch from 1.30. And we start tomorrow with a very, very special interview. And we're very grateful to them. The Morgan sisters are joining me on the show tomorrow to talk about the murder of their sister in New York. That's the opener tomorrow. Don't miss it. Uh, but for today, Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely evening. See you Thursday.